All right, good morning. It's good to see all of you. Most of you, I can't see everybody's face back there, but I, hello, welcome. We are in Resurrection Stories. That's right, my name is Jody Green. My husband Jeremy and I have been coming to Two Rivers for almost six years now. Um, he's on the worship team. He plays the orange electric guitar. Tasty licks. So, good job. And they had that great trash can ending of that one song. It was like, bam, and they nailed it. It was great. So that's my husband. <laughs> um, we have two boys, Corbin and Owen. Uh, five and seven. They are lovely. They are currently at the Waffle House because two kids' churches in a row on these days is fine for them. It's not great for the teachers. They're like, I did that lesson. I know that craft. We're wrestling. So we're trying to give them a little break. So they're doing that. And yeah, we are a family. There's Great job landing that plane. Today, we are in a series that we started. Jason started it. Jason and Lindsay are the head pastors here. Jason does the majority of the teaching. If this is your first time at Two Rivers, welcome. We're glad you're here. Come back and hear Jason teach. He's also a wonderful communicator, but not next Sunday. Do not come back next Sunday because next Sunday is a scattered Sunday. And you will hear about your opportunities and what you can do next Sunday at the end of today. We'll let you know that. But every quarter, we have a Sunday where we don't, we have church, but what we do is we gather and we go and we serve the community. So next Sunday is a scattered Sunday. The, the Sunday after that, well, Jay Swain will be back in the pulpit bringing the thunder and that'll be great. Let me, let me just see if this is, <laughs> two services in a row, you guys. Andrew Spada and Mark and Ann, is she still up there? Thank you. Thank you for what you do. The fact that this clicker thing works is a bigger deal than you know. So I'm a disciple of Andrew West, so I like slides. He is my, my rabbi, my sensei, and I followed in his footsteps. Um, so we are in a series, I'll go back now since I know it works, Resurrection Stories, because Jesus is alive, everything is different, anything is possible, and these are our resurrection stories. Um, here's our series outline. Last week, Jason, um, we're walking through the, con- the text in the Gospels between Jesus' Easter, when Jesus comes back to life, and the ascension, which is, which is where Jesus floats into the sky and disappears, which is a little bonkers. But we are going to talk about the things that happened in the Gospels between then. So last week, Jesus, uh, Jason talked about Jesus wasn't the only person who came back to life on Resurrection Sunday. A bunch of other people popped out of the grave and skedaddled into town and started telling their stories. We talked about that, and we also talked about how Jesus appeared to Mary in the garden. And today we're going to talk about, watch this, the other women. I have a pointer. The other women. This sermon is called The Other Women. The other women in the scriptures, in the gospels, who have interacted with Jesus the week of his crucifixion and in the moments after and following his resurrection. So that is where we're going. And then we're going to keep going there. Here's a chronology, chron- hmm, I did this in the first service, chronology. Someone say it. How is that? Is that right? Okay. Chron- chronology. Jason wasn't in the last service and they didn't record it. So I didn't have to worry about doing things right. And I, you're getting an edited version because of the recording. Hello, those of you at home. And my boss is right there. So, um, These are the things that happened on the Sunday, the places, the people that Jesus appeared to. You can see on that day, the other women, Mary, the disciples, um, all different ways. And then over the next 30 days, eight days later, and then the ascension, up to the sky. That is what we're going through. We are going to study and look at those accounts together, and we are excited to do that. Um, 
There is a lot of text we're going to be speaking out of. It's very important to us here at Two Rivers to know that what we communicate comes from the Bible. We're not, we're giving you, we're not giving you just some ideas. We're giving you text, stuff that you can find in the text. But it could be a little laborious and kind of sludgy if we have to cite everything. So I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want to go back and look up, the majority of what we're talking about today came from a few places, and I just wanted to show you that. For the other women, Matthew 27, 28, Mark 15 and 16, Luke 8, 23 and 24, and John 19. That is because they all have different accounts of this, and this is where it is. So if you're like, oh, I want to go, is that true? I think it's fine if you question me. You should always question people who are teaching you. You should go to the scriptures and find it for yourself, always. Um, But it is in there, and I'm not lying to you. But there you go. It's on a slide. It's true. Um, Matthew 28, but we are going to read a specific uh, part. So if you like to read along, this is where I'm going to read from to start us off today. Um, it's Matthew 28, 1, comma, 8 through 9, because I'm not going to actually read every verse. I'm going to synthesize some of it. And this is where I take a deep breath and come down off of the, I'm on stage, I'm talking, yes, this is great. And I just need to calm down. Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. There was an earthquake. The angel rolled, aside, rolled the stone away. The angel told the women, don't be afraid, and said, go quickly, tell the disciples. In verse 8, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And, and as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. <clears throat> and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So last week, Jason shared an account from John, which has Jesus appearing to Mary, just Mary. Here we see them, Mary and the other Mary. And can we just talk about how many Marys there are in the freaking Bible? Okay. Mary... I think Mary was like the Sarah of back then. Like everybody's name was Mary and everyone my age's name is Sarah. I have a lot of Sarah friends. Um, yes, there she is. Um, and, but we have in, in Mark 16, one, um, he mentions that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and a woman named Salome were there. In Luke 24, it says early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the mother of James and several other women. Um, And then, of course, we know last week from John, it's just Mary. So there were a lot of other women in all these accounts. And it took, it was, it was um, a lot for me to get my, I don't know that I did totally, but to kind of wrap my mind around who were some of these women and what can we know about them? So for you, I have compiled in a PowerPoint, um, a bio of these women. All right. This is very exciting. And I had to give them nicknames. Mary mom. Okay. The mother of Jesus, Holy Spirit pregnancy. She nursed God. All right, that happened, and she, and she treasured all of the things in her heart. So there's Mary, mom, all right? There's another Mary, Mary Mag, okay? Short for Magdalene, that's where she's from. She was freed from seven demons. She's assumed to have been wealthy, and she's mentioned 12 times by name in the Gospels, which is more than most of the other disciples, and is the most of any other woman. And that's significant. She's mentioned by name 12 times. I think there's only three disciples where that's, who are mentioned more than that. Um, then we have Mary JJ, okay, the other Mary. She's called the other Mary in Matthew's gospel, but she is the mother of the disciple James, and then she has another kid named Joseph who just gets a shout out randomly. He's not a disciple, but he's probably just there. Um, 
And she's mentioned twice as the wife of Clopas slash Alpheus. So maybe like Clopas was short for Alpheus back then. I don't totally get it, but you can go read it in all those chapters I told you about. So that's Mary JJ. There were two James that were disciples. Um, and Salome was the mother of the other James. So, and I, I'm confident that's not how you say it. So just know that. I'm confident that's not how you pronounce her name. Salome is the mom to the sons of thunder, okay? That, and they're known as James and John. She's, her husband's name is Zebedee. So the sons of Zebedee, um, this is their mom. And then she is famous for the story in Matthew 20 where she just goes up to Jesus and says, hey, so I believe you that you're gonna sit on this really awesome throne. When you do, I love all these other boys. They're delightful. Um, but when you do that throne thing, can my boys sit next to you? Like maybe just one on each side. Could we do that? And she gets a little flack for that, but I don't blame her. I mean, you have not because you asked not. I think someone named Jesus said that. So I'm like, hey, that's fine. But if there are seats available and I can put a plug in for my boys, I'm going to do that. I say, good one. Go get it, Salome. What's he going to do? Worst thing you say is no. And actually, the worst thing you say is, well, first, it's not for me to decide. And secondly, you can sit in those seats if you drink the cup of suffering that I'm going to drink, which is super intense. And they actually will end up doing that but it looks differently as often following Jesus does, right? So there's Salome, she's a boss. Um, Joanna, she was also healed by Jesus in Luke 8 where we find out Mary, was, Mary Mag was heal, healed from seven de- demons. It says Joanna was also healed of demons or disease. We don't know which one, but she was the wife of Chusa. Okay, Chusa was Her- Herod, okay? Herod was in charge of a lot of stuff and he did a lot of terrible things and he had all the power and Joanna's husband, Chusa, managed Herod's stuff. She was married into that thing, and she starts following Jesus. She was a woman of influence and great wealth. And most people assume, most scholars believe that Luke um, talked to Joanna as the primary source for writing of his gospel because of all the time that she spent with him. So that's pretty cool and exciting. And there we go. Here we go. The other women. There is one place where Mary's Mary mom's sister is mentioned, so we know that she's his aunt, but that's all they say, so I didn't make a slide because it was pretty boring. So we have Mary and her sister, Mary Mag, Mary JJ, Salome, Joanna, and then it says several times, many other women. So there we go. There they are. I think it's good uh, to compile this. I think it's honoring to say their names and tell their stories, and that's part of what we get to do today, so it's really great. Um, But let's get to the question we're all really wondering. Who saw Jesus and when? Okay, a lot of conflicting information. So let's just recap it quickly. Matthew says that Mary Mag and Mary JJ saw one angel roll the stone away. And then while they were going to tell everyone, Jesus stops him, ah, hug the feet. So that's what Matthew says, okay? Mark, it's Mary Mag. Mary JJ and Salome saw an angel inside the tomb. Now, Mark ends twice. Mark has one of those funny things in your Bible, if you've ever noticed, it says, and this is where Mark ends sometimes, but in other places, we think it ends here. So the first ending of Mark ends literally with these women, see an angel, he says, go and tell, and it says, they didn't, they were scared. End, scene. The second ending of Mark says, they did go, they went and told the fellas, and the fellas didn't believe them. So those are the two ways. So that's kind of how their story went. In Luke, we see Mary Mag, love her, Mary JJ, Salome, and several other women. They saw two angels inside the tomb. Um, 
And they go back to tell the guys, and their response was, and the disciples considered it nonsense and did not believe them. So that's awesome. Um, And then John, Mary Mag, found the empty tomb, told the boys, they race, they leave, she meets the gardener Jesus. Okay, so that's what we saw in John. Okay, there's all the data. How many angels were there? Who saw him when? Who were the several other women? When did the foot race happen? Was it before or after? Who was, like, we care a lot about, like, who did stuff first. And I think what I just want us to know to say that is not the point. Okay? If it is great to study and synthesize and try to work these things out, it's beautiful. I think you should do it. If you want to go back and study this and be like, I want to try to piece together my own timeline and just kind of make sense of it in my head, do that. Uh, It's a beautiful thing to do. The Lord will prompt and will unearth some things you didn't expect. You will find little nuggets and treasures that you weren't looking for. But if we get caught up and our belief starts to shift because we can't prove how something happened, we're missing the point. It's a very Western versus Eastern kind of thing. Wait a minute, but who saw him first? Who cares? He was dead and now he's not. Can we focus on that for just one second? Can we just focus on that? And that's what I want us to do today. As I have learned and been, I've gotten to learn under a lot of people, I've gotten to study a lot of different things in my job. I'm a professional Christian in some ways, and I get to teach and, and learn the scriptures. And two of the most impactful, important prompts I've ever been told um, by professors around studying the scriptures are these two things. I notice and I wonder. So we go to the scriptures, we open up an account, and we can say, oh, I noticed this, or I wonder about this. And those are really helpful tools for me because I can, this temptation for me to want to make sense of everything uh, quiets a little bit. It's not bad, but I don't want it always driving. And it draws me back into the humanity of the scriptures of like, oh, I notice and I wonder. Um, And it's how Jesus would have taught the scriptures and it's how his disciples would have learned from him as well. Um, All right. So these are things I notice. When I read all of this stuff, all these chapters, All of these things as I was compiling this, I noticed many women in the scriptures are mentioned with Jesus all along the way. Um, Many women. Right here it says, many women trailed behind him when he went. um, It's this in Luke. Luke tells Jesus took them, the disciples, and many women on a preaching tour of nearby towns and villages. He names Mary Mag, Joanna, and Susanna, and many other women. Uh, Mark and uh, Matthew tell us that many other women had been followers of Jesus throughout Galilee um, and continue to care for him. At the cross, John tells us that Jesus entrusts his mom to John, which would have been culturally interesting because Jesus had brothers. He had biological brothers. um, But for him to entrust his mother um, as the firstborn son to John um, implies uh, proximity and relationship there because Mary had been around. They'd been around each other. They were friends. They knew each other. They had lived life together. Um, So I just noticed that. I noticed there are a lot of places um, at the cross, trailing behind him, standing near the cross when Jesus... um, at the end of his life, on that last day, I just really notice a lot of women never leaving his side. I'm going to switch my finger here. Da, 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 da. I wonder, when I think about this, I also wonder, what was that community like? You have 14, 14 or 15 to 30 is kind of the age range of the disciples. I think Peter was probably on the older end. Um, but kind of in 14 to 30, most of them probably somewhere in the middle of that. And then you have these women. 
Um, Mary, Mother Mary, was around in different ways, in different capacities. We got Mary JJ, who is clearly around and helping. Susanna, Joanna, they were older women. I picture them as like aunts, older sisters, literal moms. There were literal moms of the disciples around because the women were paying for everything. It says that in Luke that they were paying for everything. So I don't know about you, but when I go on like a really important trip, I don't leave my wallet or my Apple Pay I take my checkbook. These women were the checkbook. They were keeping things going. I just, I just wonder what that community um, would have been like. I have the gift of being around folks um, between 18 and 23 because of my work, and we have staff meetings every Wednesday. And every Wednesday afternoon at like three o'clock, my friend Greg's guy small group shows up. They're all in college. They're all kind of trying to be leaders. And it's queso 30 every time the boys show up, right? They grab queso from Consuelos. They walk it down. There's burritos. And I have just invited myself to queso 30 because I love a good dip, okay? <laughs> it's true. Um, so they're just, and I just love to walk over there and we just talk, we laugh. They're, they've kind of let me intrude for a little while. And I just, I have this heart for them as I watch these young men trying to figure things out. Sometimes I walk in, and I'm like, y'all are, you, that, you could have made some better choices. We had some like prank stuff go on that was like a whole situation, just a different sermon, but it was a bummer, you know, and we're just talking, and I'm like, oh, but at the same time, I see them, they're the best kind of humans, like the best kind of young men trying to work this faith thing out, give their lives away, make mistakes along the way, try to figure out community, be mad at each other, forgive each other. And I just feel like that heart that I feel towards them had to be a part of this community as they were wandering around and doing life together. Um, and they didn't really choose it. They just happened to it because they all were following Jesus. I might also kind of wonder how that community changed them all. You don't always realize how the people you're around are changing you until you encounter someone who's like where you used to be. If you've ever moved across the country to a different culture, if you've ever lived overseas, and then you come back to people who didn't move across the country or didn't live overseas or didn't go to college and come home for Christmas break, and you just start to realize like, whoa, I have been, I have been changed. Um, it's like for me, I hang out with a lot of 18 to 23-year-olds, and so you know, I naturally start picking up on different things like lingo. So it's not until I'm talking to like my 45-year-old mom friends that I realize they don't all say like, that's not my vibe. And I say like, ah, that's not really my vibe. And they're like, okay. Um, <laughs> and they're not calling each other queen. And I was like, go off queen. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I don't know, actually. I actually don't know. <laughs> I just know the cool people I know say it and they dress nice. And so they should know what they're talking about. Um, but I'm not going to get nervy about it or anything, okay? Don't worry. I'm not getting nervy about it. I'm saying so cool. I'm so cool. Um, so that's what you can know. The community starts to change you from the inside out, and you don't always know. Like, I work with people with disabilities. So true. So true about the way I see the world because I'm around people with disabilities, and I didn't notice it. And as I was going along, I just realized, oh, I'm being changed by this. I have to believe that that was maybe happening to them. Um, and then we get to this day, how none of them left his side during the crucifixion. The women, they were always there. They were following him as he was carrying his cross. They were standing from afar. They were near enough to the cross to hear him speaking. When Jesus is saying, this is your son now, to John, they were within. They could hear his voice. So they were close. They were far off. They were trailing. They watched his body come down from the tomb. They followed Josephus to, where, to see where he would be laid. So they knew where to go the next day. They never left his side. It's beautiful. It's 
absolutely beautiful because they, they didn't just know who Jesus was. They had been living with him. They had been doing all the things. I wonder in Mark where all the disciples get off on the boat and the storm comes and Jesus goes, be still. And then the water's hush. There's this one little phrase that says, and there were other boats with them. I noticed that. And I wonder who was in those boats. Maybe some of these women who were always around. Why wouldn't they be there? I wonder. So that's the kind of community that was happening. Um, These women never left his side. I wonder, as I think about this scene, and one of the things I really, really, really wonder um, is because of this moment, I wonder, were they singing? Now, why do you wonder that, Jody? Um, Because they were a community that lived off oral tradition, So they didn't have the printing press yet. We were a few centuries, millennia away from that. There was no printing press. Everything was oral. Songs are a huge part of oral traditions. They have Psalms 120 to 134 called the Psalms of Ascent that everyone would have known. And any time they traveled to a feast day in Jerusalem, they would have been singing those songs as they go. It was like their travel music. It was like their Spotify playlist. It was also 15 psalms, which matched the 15 steps up to the temple that the Levites would have maybe sang as they ascended, as they were going to the Holy of Holies. These songs mattered to them. So they were a oral tradition culture that songs and music were in them and a part of them. But we understand that. Like, we totally understand that. Music is so weird. Like, you can remember songs from a song you loved in high school, but you can't remember where you put your phone charger last night. Why? I'm like, why is my brain wasting space on this song? Okay, I'm sorry, Destiny's Child. I love Survivor, but get out of my head. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, you're not going to take my word for it. We're going to prove it right now. Object lesson. You guys finish this. You ready? Finish this. Oh, we're halfway there. Okay, we're going to stop right there. I know. Oh, I knew it. He wasn't in the first service, and I didn't have to manage this over here. Everybody sign Jason up for the care team too, by the way. Sign him up. Everybody go into the lobby and just sign him up for multiple teams. You can do multiple teams. (sighs) Back to the notes. Okay, okay, there's one. Okay, here's another one. You ready? Romeo, take me somewhere we can be alone. That was good. That was really good. Here's a short one. Here's a short one. Be on your toes. Be on your toes. It's a short one. If you like it, then you should have. Yep. Anybody else have one? Anybody else have one? That was a good one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just... Oh, that's the weirdest one. That's the weirdest one for sure. You're so sure. So we, that's just, that's not, we know, we're the same. We're the same, right? We are the same. And they would have had a whole bunch of these. They didn't have, you know, the advertising, maybe the marketing things that we have to deal with, but they did have songs that their community knew. Their spiritual songs and hymns, just like we do. And we're going to sing one of those. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, I wonder if they were singing. Because in Matthew, it says this, at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? It wasn't a question, it was a song lyric. Psalm 22, a song that Jesus would have known and been singing since he was a boy. He wasn't asking a question, he was starting a song. And I just wonder if the women who never left the whole time, if maybe they started singing, and as they sang, watch these lyrics after I tell you this quote, <laughs> because this is what it communicates to me. This quote from Ariel Berger talked about a heart of flesh. Heart of flesh is what Ezekiel 36, 16 says, when a heart of stone for a heart of flesh, and it says this is what a heart of flesh is, and I think this is what these women held, because I think this is what women still hold today. It's the kind of vulnerability, openness, and acute sensitivity to your own suffering and the suffering of others that becomes an opportunity for connection. See, I don't think they wanted to watch Jesus suffer and be tortured, but I don't think they couldn't not be there. They didn't want to watch, but they couldn't look away. They were so connected to this man. They were so connected to his family. This was their family, and together these women couldn't leave but needed each other if they were going to stay. And this is what they might have been singing. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Everyone who sees me mocks me. Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Almost verbatim what is recorded in the scriptures of what they'd experienced. I wonder if Jesus cries out the first line to a song, and as they're singing it, they're realizing, oh my gosh, this is happening. I've never thought of it this way. I've known this song my whole life. I didn't know this is what it meant. Surely this is not what it means, but it continues. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. When they hit that verse, I just can't but picture his mother locking eyes with him as they sing together a song so dear to them. They're longing for something to be different, but nothing different is happening. He's still dying, and they're still singing. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs, an evil gang closes in on me. They divide my garments among themselves and cast lots for my clothing. Praise the Lord, for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. Can you hear them? Can you feel it? The singing through tears. People wondering, what are they doing? I think that's the kind of community that was happening. These women lived alongside Jesus. They encountered God in the flesh, and their lives had been transformed. Each of them had unique ways that they were called back to life. Mary, mom, her heart was full of a lifetime of transforming moments, big and small, as she watched her firstborn come into his calling. Whew. 
We have a few glimpses of how Mary responded to Jesus' public ministry throughout the Gospels, but a mama's heart is something we know. You don't have to have kids to understand a mama's heart. You don't have to be a woman to understand a mama's heart. It's a reflection of God in us. God, male and female, he created them. It is a piece of God that we have. We have so many people in our scriptures who can identify with us as we try to walk out our role as parents. Thank goodness. Mary Mag, the trajectory of her life was altered in a single healing moment with Jesus, but the process of living into that new life took a lifetime. We know so much more right now about trauma, neuroscience, all of the things, what happens in our body biologically when hard things happen. And we know that that process to heal from intense parts of our story is a journey. How comforting to know that Jesus doesn't just want to heal you in a moment. He wants to be present for you every step of your life. Salome, the transforming power of watching your boys become men. The gut-wrenching journey of giving up control over your kid's future. Even if you don't have kids, a friend, a family member, we know this journey. It is hard. And how do we know that Salome would have been radically changed by this? Because, well, I know because I'm a mom too. Okay, so if Jesus knocked on my door this afternoon and said, hey, can I take your kids, Corbin and Owen, on like a world-saving, kingdom of heaven, bringing like a venture and there's like an extra seat in the car, I'm going, okay? I'm there, I'll see you, you'll be fine, we're going, okay? It's <laughs> my husband. Um, I'm going, 100%. Um, as a parent, she had a front row seat to her sons being empowered and trained in a way that grew them up and changed them. But she had to let go of control and surrender her agenda for their lives. Can they sit on a throne? He's like, no, they will drink a cup of suffering. The holy surrender of our children into the hands of Jesus can take the breath right out of our bodies. If you're, if you're here and you're thinking of your parents, this happened to them. If you're here and you are a parent, it's happening to you, and we're not alone. And Joanna, Joanna, if you've ever, I mean, she, the disciples were not the only ones who left everything to follow Jesus. Some could argue she left the most. She radically shifted her life, and those choices cost her much more than money. So if you've ever felt shunned or ridiculed by communities who used to accept you, but now because of your faith, don't, you're in good company. The decisions we are asked to make as followers of Jesus will lead all of us eventually to choosing Christ over people's opinions of us. Joanna knew that road really well. These women encountering Jesus, being brought from death to life before he even was actually resurrected. But like these women, I too get to journey in a community of women. I don't walk these roads alone. For 17 years, I've actually been in small groups with women between the ages of 18 and 23 as they journey life after high school. My privilege of co-leading one of those small groups currently with Sarah Taylor has been one of the honors of my life. Today, we're going to get to hear from the other women among us who have also encountered the living God. They're trying to live out their faith and also be honest about what that means for them in an ever-changing cultural environment. They are brave. They are my friends. And these are their resurrection stories. Come on up, ladies. All the way down center, center. 
Too far, too far, you guys. Yeah, there we go. Don't forget to say your name. Okay. I'm Abby. Hello. Um, okay, the Lord has brought back to life my belief in his faithful or his goodness and faithfulness. Um, I'm a senior, so the pandemic has completely shaped my college experience. Um, so a lot of loss of just college and experiences and all that jazz. Um, but I lost my mom my sophomore year in the pandemic. Um, <laughs> and the journey's been a cascade of loss. Uh, most recently, two weeks ago, my childhood house. And it's just like one after the other, like loss, loss, and loss again. Um, and there's been a lot of questions in my head and heart. Is he for me? Does he see what's happening? Hello? When is he going to deliver me or rescue me or anything? Does he care? Um, I remember there was a specific service here, and we were singing the song, like, his goodness is running after me, and I just was like, but it's not, like, how, you know? Um, I didn't believe in the goodness of the Lord was running after me whatsoever. In my eyes and heart, his faithfulness was a hoax, and it was a lie, and it was dead. Um, I felt alone and left in the dust and forgotten about. And then... I had a heart realization, and everything has been different ever since, every day. Never questioned it. It's real. It's good. Um, I, did, I realized that he didn't cause all the life, loss in my life, but he actually wept with me in, in it and is continuing to carry me through it. He feels with me, and he's with me, and he won't leave me, and he is good, and he's protective, and he's faithful every day. I'm Izzy. Growing up, I had a stepdad that was not super awesome in a home life that left me hurt, hopeless, and stripped of my worth. This was the reality for most of my childhood. I grew to resent my stepdad, the people who didn't notice, but mostly I grew to resent Jesus. I felt alone and forgotten by the one thing that I was so sure would never leave me behind. Luckily, in college, I found a community that showed me the power in Jesus' forgiveness and learned that I'm called to grant others the same forgiveness that he grants me. I'm so thankful that Jesus showed me um, how powerful forgiveness really can be. My willingness to forgive was dead, but Jesus helped it come back to life. And that has lifted a weight off of my shoulders that leaves me free of resentment and fills me with a hope that I longed for my whole childhood. I'm Emily. Um, I had lost all hope and faith in Jesus' ability to restore the broken relationship between me and my mom. Um, every interaction ended in tears and frustration um, and left myself thinking, why can't I just have a normal relationship with my mom? Um, I longed for that typical mother-daughter dynamic and didn't believe I could have that. Um, I just thought that these were the cards I was dealt um, and I was left very hopeless. My mentor had said to me, um, there are some things that aren't promised on this side of heaven, but that doesn't mean we can't hope for those things. Um, that's when I realized that my hope isn't in a changed situation or an answered prayer. Um, my hope is in Jesus, whether things are changed um, or not. Um, there is hope beyond the grave um, because Jesus has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and resurrection. First um, Peter 1.6 says, In this you rejoice, although now for a little while you may have to suffer through various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that is perishable, even though tested by fire, may prove to be for praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I have experienced hope and resurrection, or I have experienced hope resurrected through looking towards heaven, um, turning to Jesus, finding my hope in Jesus. Um, This hope gave me a new perspective on my relationships, um, and I have seen change in my mom and I's relationship. Um, I can confidently say that anything is possible and everything is different. Hi, I'm Georgia, and I found freedom through Christ and who I am. For most of my life, I thought that being quiet meant that something was wrong with me, constantly being told that I don't talk much and disappointing people for not having immediate answers. But my quiet nature has brought me closer to God, being able to hear from him and sit in his presence. The Lord has restored my sense of self and opened my eyes to see that I'm part of his beautiful creation. Hi, my name is Kat. Um, The Lord has always brought resurrection into my life by the close of a door and the opening of another. Sometimes I am more willing to close these doors and walk through the new seasons he's calling me into, and sometimes he has to drag me along kicking and screaming. Usually I don't understand why, and as someone who likes to know all the answers and have it figured out, it drives me a little crazy. But that's not my job, and while I have resisted that in the past, I'm coming to learn that there's freedom in that. The verse that has changed my life in the past year and have been the words I have clung to when nothing else made sense is from Psalm 46. It starts with, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth gives way, that the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar in foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And it ends with, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The same God that raised Jesus from the grave is the same God holding the story of my life. And as Jody always reminds me, the story isn't over if the story isn't good. And resurrection is messy and resurrection is beautiful and it's a process that takes a lifetime of trusting to close old doors and walk through new ones over and over and over again, but never alone and never without hope. And that's the freedom I have been given to be still, to cease striving, to know that he is good, to surrender, to rest, and to celebrate the resurrection in my life that I pray that you get to see in yours, too. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Good job. I'm going to hug you again. I'm going to hug you again. Don't leave without me hugging you. Okay, good job. (laughs) Thank you. Now you got to come down your tall. Thank you. Uh, How could I possibly think that I'm giving them anything? Is it so clear what I gained from them? There's many of you um, who understand that community. We're not supposed to do this alone. So after hearing from our, the women, the other women in the Gospels today, and after hearing from the other women in our midst, these are a few of many stories. What is standing out to you? What did you notice in your own story? What are you wondering about resurrection in your own life? as we look at women across generations who are showing us the way, following the wake of their rabbi and being transformed in the process because they just can't not be. Our hope today is that you leave wondering, like, what would my paragraph be? All of you could stand up here and share something. You just might not know what it is or yet have the words for it. 
But it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. And it doesn't mean someone doesn't want to know. So who could you tell? Who could you tell about a place where you don't want to forget? Because if we forget the power and presence of our God, we are in trouble. Sometimes we've been free for so long, we forget what the desert looked like. And we start to not like the taste of grape and honey because we forgot about the manna and the quail. Do not forget, church. Do not forget what the Lord has done in your life. When you, have been cross, when you have crossed from death to life, tell someone. Remember. Go on a walk with Jesus. Sit down and write it down. Think about what do you notice? What do you wonder? What do you want to be true a year from now in your life? And you're not gonna get there alone. We do life together. We are transformed together. I'm a better version of myself because of the people in my life who are different than me. Different ages, different stages, different backgrounds, different perspectives, different abilities, different jobs. Difference is good and beautiful, and your perspective is valuable, but your perspective is not complete. We need each other. When we encounter the resurrected Jesus, sometimes immediately and sometimes over the course of years, we realize that everything is different, anything is possible. So we need to lean in. What would your paragraph be? And let's tell each other because these are our resurrection stories. So I'm gonna pray for us as I invite the worship team back up. Lord, we are thankful for the power and the privilege of getting to walk alongside each other in big groups, groups of men and women and moms and sons and employed and unemployed, um, people who can talk, people who can't, people who can't even walk but need to be carried. Lord, would you continue to bring difference into this church? Would you continue to open our eyes to the ways that people who are different than us can help us tell our story? And would you deposit through these last two songs a reminder and a promise to the folks here that their story is not over, and that there is life for them, and that we would all leave with an understanding of what our resurrection stories are. In Jesus' name, amen.